Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 45 for June 22nd, 2006, The Host's File. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway. On the web at www.astaro.com. Well, now I'm feeling guilty. <laughs> I pressed Steve into service a day early. I'm taking a little uh, much-needed break this week off at the beach house. It's funny because you said you were on vacation. I said, vacation from what? Like I don't do nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah, you working stiffs don't understand. I have a well, complicated life. I guess those of us who don't have a boss uh, are sort of, you know, we're actually, we're never on vacation. Well, because I was going to say, we, do, you don't get, do you ever take vacations? No, I don't. You just don't no, even the, need a vacation. I'm just is, bored. I love what I'm doing. Yeah. And, you know, if ever I go somewhere, it's like I, I'm just spending all my time thinking, hmm, uh, <laughs> what? Did you think all the things I could be getting done if here's, I was still home. Here's a man who loves his work, doesn't even I consider really, it work. I really do. Yeah. Well, when you came up to Canada, that was kind of a two-day vacation. I can't get him on a geek cruise, folks. I've tried and tried, and he says, I'm not going on any boat. <laughs> Actually, I really liked those, uh, the the two-day two Canada yeah. turns, because I had a whole day going you know, across the country to the other side of the world um, to read and, and to do research and things that normally I just don't give myself the opportunity to. So there's like little forced breaks. See? See? Yeah, See? that's good. Actually, one of the things I, I like to go to, same reasons I like to go to Canada, I, I pretend that it's the other side of the world, and I, I tell people, oh, I won't be able to do anything for the whole next week because I'm going to be out of the country. <laughs> of course, it's not really out of the country exactly. It's pretty easy to reach me in Canada, but I pretend. Uh-oh, now my secret's out. I'm going to have to get a job in Alaska. I'm going to have to get a job in Timbuktu. So today we're going to talk about something that people, uh, everybody has. Everybody's got one. Uh, many people don't know they have one. It's free. It's free. It it's can on be very system. can be very effective. It can be a very useful tool in fighting bad guys. Uh, we're talking about the host's file. Yeah. What is the host's file? Well, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's been around... From the dawn TCP, as far as I know, the hosts file, as it's called, H-O-S-T-S, is present in any system which is connecting to the Internet that has a TCP IP stack. That is, you know, the standard Internet protocol glue that we all use for, for hooking things up. Unix and, uses it, Linux uses it, Windows uses it, Mac uses it, OS 2 used it. I mean, it's pretty universal. Yeah. Um, and essentially what, what it is, it, it's sort of like a, a first DNS lookup, which, which any TCP equipped system will, will reference. And here's the key before it goes and uses the, the official DNS system to map a domain name to an IP address. Oh, interesting. So when you type in www.grc.com, 
normally, I mean, we normally think of it as going out to the DNS server of your internet host or maybe of the, the main domain servers and saying, well, where is grc.com? But you're saying it checks this host file before it even does that. Well, a few things happen. When, when you, you enter a domain name into your browser, um, systems are now maintaining a local cache of these names. So, for example, if, so, so, well, so, so that it, it knows it just recently looked up one way or another, it looked up the address for a domain name, and it doesn't have to go and make another query because it would be crazy to be to have your, your computer constantly asking your ISPs or whatever DNS server you had configured, what the IP address was for a domain name. So, so certainly it makes sense to to cache those locally. That is, keep a record of them. In fact, these are timed so that the system knows how long it's been since it last updated its own local cache, so that it, so that it, it can, if the if the IP address were to change. It, it would know that hey, I've had this for three days. I ought to make sure that you know this is still still the same IP address. Now, but actually, there have been problems with the. Uh, I remember the XP cache because uh, it didn't handle it properly, didn't flush it properly, and if it. But so does the cache persist across a reboot or? No, it won't persist across across a reboot. There have been problems. In fact, one of the annoyances is called negative caching, and and w- what that means is that if your computer asks. A remote server for the IP address of, of a domain name or or a remote machine, and the for whatever reason the request fails, the the um, the system will will it's called negative cache. It'll say there is no IP for this domain, so it essentially remembers a negative. And that's a problem because you might have a momentary glitch somewhere or something. Something on the internet might have failed that would cause you to get a false negative um, domain name, and then your system won't go out and try it again. It thinks it knows better. There actually is a command that you're able to execute from the command line to flush your local DNS cache, and in some cases, doing that restores connectivity. But it's it's nuts that that's that's what you have to do. I thought they'd fix that, but I, so it wasn't a bug. It was actually, or was it a it's, bug? Oh, it's a feature. <laughs> it's a feature. <laughs> it's not a bug. It's a feature. So anyway, the idea is that, you know, there's a lot of plumbing going on in just in, in DNS on our own systems. The, the really interesting thing is that prior to any of this remote access, the, a, a, a simple text file is checked that exists on all of our systems. I mean, even if it's even there by default, it's installed when you install Windows. Most people never, who are who are not into all this kind of stuff, never go any further, never pursue it, never even know about it. But it's there. Um, it's under your Windows directory. That might be, you know, WinNT or Windows, depending on what whatever your system calls it. Then all of our systems have us in Windows have a subdirectory called System32. Under that directory, strangely enough, it's under a subdirectory called drivers, huh? and then etc. Yeah, that is to say, etc. Right. So it's even in an obscure location. The etc. Any- location is actually uh, where Unix and Linux uh, stores it in slash etc. Right, so. and and in fact, it makes sense. I mean, it's sort of like you know extra little stuff to go along with TCP, or or, or rather with the IP protocol. Uh huh. 
So what this is, this text file, and anyone listening to this who doesn't know about this, who's curious, can can look at their own hosts file in, uh, under their system32 slash drivers slash etc if they're in Windows. Or of course, Windows a, a, is going to warn you, well, you shouldn't be looking in here. What are you looking in here for? Don't be going in there. And all oh, sorts yeah. of other stuff. But yeah. uh, just so you know, that's, that's what's going on. It's okay. <laughs> um, all it is is it's a simple table. That, that is very much like DNS. It matches IP addresses to domain names. So, for example, um, a, a very commonly used name is localhost. Localhost by sort of IP gods is, 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 is used to refer to your own machine that also has an IP address of 127.0.0.1. We've never talked about this before, and, and we probably ought to spend some time at some point talking about some of those, you know, the, these things related to the to the local host and and, and the local network. But but 127, the the IP address 127.0.0.1 is in all IP stacks a self-reference. You're you're it's another way of talking to you about your own local IP. So the hosts file will have an entry there that that just says 127.0.0.1 is the same as localhost. So if you use the word localhost, just like a domain name, it that that relationship between localhost and 127.0.0.1 comes from the hosts file. And and as, as the way this was used initially was within a LAN, with, that is within a local network, this is a nice way of associating machine names and their IPs. Hmm. Uh, for example, I use it myself. Or actually, I did in the past. Now I have full-blown DNS locally. But, but I used to have all of my machines named, and and then and then they had, and then they had fixed IP addresses. So I had a hosts file, wh- which I installed in all of these machines. And by installed, I mean just you know copied one host file to all of them, and that allowed me to refer to the machines. Um, for like, for example, for file sharing and things, not needing to use IP addresses, not even needing to use Windows um, browser technology, which can be sort of flaky and and has some version dependencies, but it would use the hosts file. Basically, I was providing my machines with with names and allowing them to determine what the IP addresses were for each of the machines in my network. So it's a cool thing now. So, so you, you 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 don't need to mess with this. Uh, it's handled kind of automatically. In fact, by default, it only has one line, which is the localhost. But you decided to to use it. Well, I decided to use it, and it works great for for that purpose. Do you if recommend you want- people do that? Well, I mean, I wouldn't recommend someone who's not into networking and stuff to do it, but okay. but doing it really does work. And in fact, uh, if someone gets into it more, it turns out that there's a way you can put an entry in a host's file to refer to another host file, sort of an include facility, where where you say include a file from somewhere else in my host file. What that allows you to do is actually have a single um, master hosts file that all the machines in your network will will automatically pull theirs from. So I didn't. So I didn't want to get too complicated here. But but in fact, I had one copy of a hosts file on my network. All the machines knew where to get theirs from. 
that is in their host file I had a reference to this oh. sort of a, a, an included file and so as I added or moved machines around I made one change and what was convenient was it is a really robust solution for 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 machines now again the problem is most people are using DHCP behind their own NAT routers so the IP addresses of their machines may be floating around that's one thing I'm not doing in my network I don't use DHCP all of my machines are known IPs so this is only really applicable in a case like that but but the reason we're really talking about this is from a security and a privacy standpoint because very clever people have figured out how the host's file can be used to prevent machines from accessing domains you don't want them to. And I mean, having said that, a lot of people who are listening to this are now going, oh, I know how to do that. I mean, essentially, you you edit your host file to, for example, um, I'm just looking at mine right now. And for example, I've got an entry that says 127.0.0.1. That's your local and then, host. And then That's your local machine. My local host. Yeah. And then tab, and it says fastclick.net or mediaplex.com. So these are online advertising. These are the exactly. These are the people we would rather not have our computer contact we were for whatever reason we don't want cookies we don't want ads we don't want we don't want our computer for any reason to go touch doubleclick.net or linkexchange.com or valueclick.com i mean i've got a whole list of these and and the beauty of this is it is solid and robust and my machine Anytime I go to a site that has references to those domains, the browser is going to say, oh, what's the IP so it can go get an ad or, or get whatever it, you know, who knows, a web bug or, a, uh, or spyware or anything that it might be pulling from those domains. The first thing the computer does is look up in the host's file to see if that domain has been defined. If so, that's the address it uses. In other words, 127.0.0.1, meaning itself. So that request goes nowhere. It's immediately canceled, and the browser goes about trying to do, um, you know, load the rest of its web page so it's a it's a very clever simple and very efficient means for preventing your machine from ever going elsewhere to or to, I mean to uh, to an expanding or evolving or growing list of like bad or banned domains now just as you've used it to block bad guys bad guys also use it there's spyware that modifies the host file Yes, of mean. course we we could accept we could expect that anything valuable like this that could be used for good would would also be grabbed and used for bad. There are you're able to um, there are ways you can protect your host file from modification. Um, for example, you could write protect it or remove write privileges from the from the file so that a only the administrator of your system, which you should not normally be running under would be able to modify the host file, then if some spyware got into your system that was not running as, as an administrator, it would not be able to change the file. Sometimes just clicking the right protection flag is enough to defeat these things. Um, we should say, though, that what has evolved is sort of a an interesting... It's not really a subculture, but it, 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 it's, a, it's a bunch of people who manage 
public host files. That is, there are lists of hosts files on the net that you can download that that are being maintained by people and contain a a huge directory of of places you probably don't want your computer to go that's where i got my list from uh, some time ago and those domain names don't tend to be changing very often so if anyone was curious about this approach they could just put hosts file into google um as i think you mentioned that that wikipedia has a great uh, discussion about the host too. file. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and if you use Spybot Search and Destroy, or I'm sure other spyware programs, uh, it also will do that. In fact, there's a command in Spybot that just says, "You know, populate my host file," and it'll it'll add a whole you know changed host file that blocks all of those well known sites, really hundreds of names, and I think it then locks it down as well. Um, it would make sense that it would because again, there have been exploits that modify the host file. On the other hand. Remember that that once something bad gets into your system, you're pretty much hosed anyway. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you you can you know you can never really know what was done to your machine. So it's certainly the case that something nasty getting getting into your system could modify your host file. On the other hand, it could modify anything that it wanted to right. if it's able to modify your host file. The, the the power of the host file is is not so much that it's an absolutely perfect solution, but that it's, I mean, because none exist in the Windows environment or, in fact, in, in any but a, an ultra-secure system, which is sort of becomes no fun to use, uh, depending on how tight the security is. The, the beauty of it is that it is a, an extremely reliable, very efficient means to prevent a computer from going places you don't want it to. And it's, it's simple to manage and maintain. Its format is just IP address and then a tab character or a space or, or, or something. Uh, mine's all lined up nicely because I have 127.001, tab, and, and, and then the, the, the domain name. So it's very easy to add and remove items. And it just simply prevents your system from asking the Internet for the actual IP address of any domains that are listed there. So you can just neuter these things. And, I mean, it, 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 it's a tremendous little tip. One little word of warning. If you are running a web server on your local system, as I do sometimes for test purposes, mapping to localhost will have an unpredictable result because your web server may attempt to fill that request. So in that case, you might want to use 0.0.0.0, or I understand you can just use 0. And it'll still have the same effect of yeah. It'll just exactly it'll go. just goes nowhere. it just stops the it stops the search. It nips it in the bud, saying there's no reason I want anybody. You know, I ever want this system going to double click, right. and it just it can't get there because it's given a bogus IP address. I think Windows Defender also will monitor your host files. That's the new Microsoft uh, spyware or anti-spyware uh, program. Um, and I'm just looking at the Wikipedia article, and they mentioned that yeah. that was how my doom uh, worked to block your access to Symantec and other antivirus sites. You may remember if you got that bad virus, you couldn't then do any research on how to get rid of it because you couldn't get to any <laughs> any antivirus sites. And that's exactly how it did it. It just modified the host's file. It just puts a bunch of entries in there for, yeah. for, for the anti-spyware and antiviral vendors and prevents your computer from going there, too. And in fact, you know, it's probably worth 
having people take a look at the host file just to make sure that it still looks benign. Absolutely. That would be a sign of tampering, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there it is. Everything you ever wanted to know about host files. And if you want to know more, the uh, we'll put a link to the Wikipedia article in our show notes. But uh, you might also uh, check there because there are lo- additional links in there to a lot of other good resources, including, you know, somebody who says, you know, it's a myth that, that changing your host file will protect you from malware. Obviously, it won't, but it'll help, you know, it'll help reduce your uh, impact of malware. Well, yes. And, and again, I want to make that point it, because I, I think it's a good one. It's that it's that it it can the host's file being set up to block a whole bunch of mal- uh, malicious domains can prevent you from getting that malware in the first place. So it's and and in a non-compromised system. I mean, there are there are a lot of places that are not they're they're not malware. They're just you know they're they're heavy-duty marketing internet marketing companies that that are using cookies and and technologies to track you around the net that you'd rather not have any contact with. They're just you know sort of gray zones. They're not black. They're just gray. So the host file just prevents your machine. From from touching those, and and again, it 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 can be abused, but you know, so can everything. Right. <laughs> this is it's a process. And there's no one silver bullet in security. I wish there. Yeah, were. I mean, it, it's sort of like it's sort of like the argument we touched on. When we were talking about open ports. About you know, there are people who say that that stealthing your system doesn't provide you any security. It's like, well, okay. I mean, I've I've heard the argument a lot. It's better to be invisible, I think. Why not be? It's It doesn't cost anything to be invisible. Right. As long, and, you just don't fool yourself that you've done everything you can do at that point. Well, it, you or that you've that everything that you've done is going to make you absolutely invincible right. because no you know thing. that right. we can't achieve. Right. Um, I'll also mention that my own Security Now page. I'm going to put a whole bunch of hosts file references on that page um, of of stuff that I use and that I have found over time. So so anybody who's interested in pursuing this independently can not only check Wikipedia uh, and the link you're going to have, Leo, but but the um, it's been a long time since. Actually, since I've put together some notes for a show, because most of what we've been doing hasn't involved off-show resources, but but here in the case of the host file, um, I think we really have there. There's just yeah. so much that that's been done. It's a tremendous resource. And once you understand it, I mean, I think this is something people don't even know they have. So once you know you've got it, this is worth kind of learning more about. And we'll put all that in the show notes, of course. Show notes are at grc.com slash security now. That's where you'll also find a transcript of this in every show. Thanks to Elaine, our wonderful transcriptionist, and uh, 16 kilobit versions for the bandwidth impaired. You know, I, you started something, Steve, because I've started doing 16 kilobit versions of uh, Twit as well uh, and my radio shows because people like... If you're on dial-up, people like to be able to download it uh, and and still listen, even though you. Know, I'm you know. really glad to hear that, Leo. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I know how popular they are. They and, are, you know. Oh, it's, it, they're incredibly popular. I mean, I think maybe it's easy to be, be a bit of a bandwidth snob and to say, "Oh, so. well, yeah. you don't have cable, right. you don't have DSL," but there's a lot of people still using a modem. You bet. And uh, I'm not so much a bandwidth snob as an audio snob. I listen to those 16 kilobit versions, and they, I go, oh, gosh. Oh, I know. <laughs> Ooh. But I know. you get the content, and that's the, and that's the most important thing. So yeah. we do put those up. We also uh, thank our great friends at Astaro for providing 
the support, the sponsorship for this uh, podcast. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago the Astaro Command Center V1. It's out now, free for users of Astaro's great security gateway. If you're a network administrator, you should see this thing. It is a great way to manage and control multiple gateways from just one dashboard. And a beautiful world map, and, and oh, it just looks great. It's free in the product section at astaro.com. And, of course, Astaro is a great solution for any smaller medium business network that needs superior protection from spam, from viruses, from hackers, as well as complete VPN capabilities, intrusion protection, content filtering, and an industrial-strength firewall in an easy-to-use, high-performance appliance. Contact them at one eight seven seven the number 4 astaro or, again, A-S-T-A-R-O. Dot com. And don't forget uh, that there is a solution for home users, too, that's absolutely free. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, I guess that's it. I guess Security we, Now. And- Security Now. Oh, uh, oh, I forgot the most important thing. <laughs> Spin right, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Steve never takes a vacation. That's because... His 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 product is always being improved. Spinrite is free is not free, but is available from grc.com. It is S P I N R I T E, and you can read more about all the testimonials on Spinrite at spinrite.info. S P I N R I T E dot I N F O. Uh, I think anybody who has a hard drive that means everybody should have a copy of Spinrite, the ultimate disk recovery and maintenance utility from spinrite.info. Have I mentioned everybody? I think so. I think it's covered. (laughs) The time has come. I hate to say it, to say goodbye, but we'll see you next week. Thank you, Steve. Absolutely. And in the meantime, people can check out their host's file. There's, yeah. It's just such a, a neat little perfect solution for keeping your machine where you don't want it to go. Yes. Yes, you're a good host. Take care, Steve. We'll see you next Thursday. Right on. On Security Now. Security Now.